c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. everybody welcome back to fat french and fabulous i am jessica and i'm janelle although if you ask uh columbia university i am janelle marie due to a <laughs> tragic misunderstanding with my passport <laughs> no it's true it's true when i first when i when i um was doing all my immigration paperwork if you want to go to school in a foreign country even if you're an adorable mm. and obviously trustworthy canadian you have to do a bunch of inane- even if you have the Bluest, bluest eyes. Blue like Neptune hanging in the sky. That was unexpectedly romantic. This is weird now. Um, <laughs> Alright. Good? I want to take them for my own. Okay, no, that went that went around the bend. That's <laughs> full circle. We went we went from like romantic poetry to like Ed Gein nipple belt in <laughs> Who? Do not pass go. Serious. Do not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> Alright. Seriously, though, you look like a blue-eyed panda. It's- I don't understand. <laughs> Un- unclear if compliment? Un- unclear. Unclear. But when you're doing all this paperwork that you need to immigrate, at some point the Department of Homeland Security wants to know just who they're letting into their country to study forensic psychology, I guess. And so I sent them my passport, which is what I had to do. I sent it to the schools- As one does. As one does. I sent it to the school. They have to do a bunch of paperwork on their end- the government-related paperwork, and they sent me an email, and I have it saved, and I routinely show people, because it makes me angry, and it's like, there was an error in your application. You said on your form that your given name was Janelle Marie, but on your passport, it says that your given name is Janelle Marie, and I just... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't under, like I don't I will post this email. I will post a screenshot of this onto the the Facebook and the Twitter so that you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's really something. So yeah, now at, at Columbia, I'm referred to by as Janelle Marie in all my classes, despite the fact that my legal name is just Janelle. It's I'm not no hyphenated. <laughs> there's nothing. It's not one word. No, it's not like it's not like a a Bobby Sue kind of kind of name situation. No, it's just Janelle. It's just Janelle. But all my teachers and everybody have my name down is Janelle Marie. My email address, if um, anyone gets an email from my Columbia University email address, it comes up as Janelle Marie, just mashed together. So I just I constantly feel like my professors are mad at me. <laughs> Janelle Marie, right? And it's like answer the question on page five. <laughs> <laughs> like that's. That's the voice that my mom used when I, like, hit all of her bras in the kitchen as a prank? Like, that's the sort of... Oh, yeah. I can't imagine how I'd feel if, like, the average teacher just started going, like, Joelle! <laughs> you know, like, I'd, I'd be shocked. Jessica Joelle. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the, like, why did you dye the dog pink voice? <laughs> And not <laughs> it, it, it's it's very much a young lady young lady where wh- what happened to all the cookies it's it's that that's the that's voice the voice and it's like it's already weird that you're taking attendance in a graduate class like I already feel like I'm yeah. being demoted here because there's seriously man there's like six of us so you you shouldn't have to do attendance out loud sir. But also, yeah, like, yeah, like, my full name is just not a necessary. quick glance should should suffice. <laughs> he 
he's really doing his due diligence. He wants to make sure that if we've sent imposters to class, we've at least picked ones that know our names. <laughs> just just a very it's it's the like it's it's the did you lie on this form of 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 question, question checks <laughs> of truancy checks. <laughs> See, that just reminds me of like uh my bosses uh recommended me for a public uh, a, a public private partnership uh, consultation with the federal government. And at some point, someone misunderstood my last name. So I get to this thing, which is very, very official and very, very important. And every single piece of documentation, all the posters, all the signs, my name tag, the sheafs and sheafs of finely printed, thick, expensive paper. All spell my last name with a fucking N. <laughs> Where? Right before the G, so it'd be pronounced Pinyo. <laughs> oh, I was say, depending on, like, where that N went, that could be, like, is it Jessica Pigo? Yeah, like they... Jessica Pigone? <laughs> like, there's a lot of places you can put an N. <laughs> and, and... So they do this introduction and then they finally go like, okay, so is there any like first orders of, of business before we get into the agenda? And I said like, yeah, I'd like to motion to start spelling my name correctly. <laughs> uh, this is why we have a podcast because even in official public functions related to our respective careers, we are still kind of assholes. We are still kind of assholes. Seriously, the last the last one of these meetings I went to... There was, like, that perfunctionary round of, like, everybody thanking everybody else and long speeches, you know, like, I'm, you know, like, I would like to thank the caterers and I would like to thank Dr. So-and-so and I would like to thank, you know, Janet over here. And, like, three different people did this. And finally, uh, one of them said, like, I'll probably be the last one to say thank you. And she goes through her entire speech and then I stand up and I said, you will be the last to say thank you because I'm here to say, you're welcome! You're welcome. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, I'm here. Oh, that's 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 very humble of you. It's nice. The uh the one time I had to do a professional poster presentation for my undergraduate research, I did this. There was a former Prime Minister of Canada that was there to to check out our Ah, was it Kim? Yeah, it was Kim Campbell, so she barely counts, but she's still a former Prime Minister in title. It was a it was a good six yeah. months. Of her we are life. oddly proud of the fact that we had a female prime minister, despite the fact we never voted for yeah, her. Yeah, she was unelected and she was there for six months. Canadian politics are weird, kids. <laughs> but, like, nobody at any point in this this conference that I was at, nobody noticed that the background image on my scientific poster was Master Chief. <laughs> I don't even like Halo. I just did it to be a dick. So... And nobody asked. Nobody asked. Nobody, nobody noticed. But... Yeah. So we have a long and illustrious history of being jackasses in serious settings. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, we should probably get on to to this week's topic. So, mm. as you can probably guess from the title, which I mean, Jessica and I don't have the the luxury of having while we're recording, but you'll see it because you're listening to it on your and it's going to be sparkling. Well, I mean, it's probably going to be something like the disappearance of Asia Degree because we're talking about mm. The Disappearance of Asia Degree. Yay! Who could have guessed? 
Mm. What a surprise. Um, so, yeah. That came out completely out of left field. Absolutely. So, it's it's a Janelle week, so we're doing another unsolved crime of some sort. So, this is a missing persons case. Because, uh, to date, I think our most popular episode is actually the Maura Murray series. Mm-hmm. So, you fuckers like missing people. Mm. It's weird. You're all weird. Just trying to find them. <laughs> yeah, just, you guys are just out there with your, your flashlights and your... You're doing mm. good work. I I hope. I don't our know. our en- our entire listening, our entire audience is just search parties, just combing the woods. <laughs> what an unusual demographic. I don't even know how we <laughs> how we target that. So, uh, but yeah, we're we're looking at the analytics are quite a thing. Man, I've I've anyone who's known me knows me well knows that I um I wear sailor bracelets. This is completely off topic. I wear a knotted sailor bracelet around my wrist because, like... Because you miss you miss the sea. It's it's a maritime tradition. When sailors would go away, they would give their loved ones these bracelets made out of um, sailcloth. They're made out of, of, of boat rope. I don't know what the official name for boat rope is. But the whole point is that it shrinks when it gets wet. So once you put it on, you get it wet. You can't get it off your wrist. And uh, and then you're trapped. <laughs> the idea is that it will finally, like, it'll wear off. Basically, it'll it'll mm. fall apart by the time they come home. And I've been wearing the same one for like two and a half years, and it just fell off. <sighs> Look at that! Huh. What, a, what a momentous occasion I'm sharing with all of you. Now I need to get a new goddamn <laughs> bracelet. Shit. Mm. Well, it was getting pretty gross anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> now that we're past this, um, now you have to return to your homeland. <laughs> <laughs> This is just my call to the sea. It's just <laughs> Yeah, it just it falls off when your mother misses you long enough. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a bat signal, but it's a piece of dirty rope that I wear in the shower. <laughs> the ocean needs me. <laughs> I mean, I could go to the ocean here in New York City. We're kind of there, but if you go in the Hudson River, you're not coming back out. <laughs> I mean, really, if I if I was dedicated to the cause and I wanted to go look for missing people, I actually think taking a swim in the Hudson is pretty much the best way to do that. Yeah, you will either become a missing person or you will find exactly. one. Exactly, <laughs> there's only two possible outcomes. Um, yeah, that was... that, that's also an odd thing about like the beaches here in Vancouver. We have recently, and you, I think you posted about this. I did. We have recently had several severed feet wash up on shore, what... which were presumed either deceased already and unburied by natural disasters or killed in natural disasters i think yay yeah that's yay! that's what i miss about canada just long walks on the beach beaches yeah. littered with human feet <laughs> <laughs> awesome still in the shoe mm, that's just how i like them it's like mm. it's like mm. clams in the shell Feet in the shoe. Yeah. What a delicacy. Yeah, it's a it's a more it's a more like visceral experience, I find, you know. <laughs> I remember the first time I cracked open my first shoe with a severed human foot in it. You know, it's a, when you become a woman. It's when you're you, you you truly feel, you know, in touch with your historic ancestors and just well, this, this... understand what it's like to to find a severed foot. You know, most severed feet today, you know, you just get them pre-wrapped, all sanitized from the grocery store. Yeah, I, I have several concerns about you. Um, I don't, you didn't go through human puberty. You went through <laughs> severed foot puberty. That's good to know. Um, so, you know, my, my Quinn Sarah just had like a lot of, 50 severed, severed feet just arranged in a, arranged in a row. Mm, Quinceañera's done right. So, <laughs> 
<laughs> so this week, we are looking at the case of Asia Degree, as I've mentioned, and she has been missing since Valentine's Day in the year 2000. So How romantic. I mean... It it actually it's it gets worse. That that date is a lot worse mm. for reasons we're gonna get into right away. What's really interesting about this case though is that Asia is almost exactly the same age as Jessica, which is just sort of a fun fact. And it also really highlights how old she would be if she was still out there. Asia went missing at the age of nine. Jessica is a math twenty seven. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. I look yeah. at that. I still got it. So. Um, so, interestingly enough, and this is why it's an extra tragic thing, Aisha's parents, Harold and I, I apologize if I'm not saying this right, Aquila? I-Q-U-I-L-L-A? Aquila? Mm. Aquila. Aquila? I don't... I don't... Echidna. Yikes. Uh, the Degrees married on Valentine's Day of 1988, so this was actually their wedding anniversary. They married mm. 12 years to the day before their daughter disappeared. Aisha was born in August of 1990, which means, like, she's literally almost exactly the same age as you. So you're you're now one step closer to um, stealing Jessica's identity. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Any moment now, you'll be ready. You just, I mean... I actually figured out the, uh, the, the accidentally the birth date of the other Jessica Peugeot who lives in Burnaby, uh, because a, a medical professional accidentally told me. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Your tax dollars at work. Your tax dollars at work. The fact that there's two of you in Burnaby, I feel like he gets his pass for that one. (laughs) It's just like, uh, that is an understandable error. Yeah. (laughs) How many Peugeot, Jessica Peugeots, could there possibly be? The answer within Canada, three. There's three of us. How are two of you in the same city? Uh, I moved. (laughs) Well, that's right. I, I knew I knew before that there was a Jessica Pigeon in Burnaby. Like, She's I'm, a personal trainer. I'm coming for you. And you are not. You are so not. <laughs> and I am not. No. So she'll be able to fight me off pretty easily. <laughs> you get winded doing this podcast. <laughs> Don't laugh too loud. You'll hurt yourself. Yeah, I'm going to have to wait until she's not paying attention and just sneak up on her. <laughs> oh my God. There can be only one. There can be only one. Oh, good. But uh, what what I've understood from the fact that uh, Aisha is nearly the same age as me is if that she hadn't gone missing, she would be an obese eccentric with pink glasses and a podcast. I still feel like that's preferable to missing. True. True. That is very true. true. But tell that to my mother. <laughs> oh, God. She's like, I just wish you were on the side of milk cartons. That's, that's preferable <laughs> to me. Than what you than what you became. Maybe I didn't really need the closure. Thanks, Jessica. <laughs> so the family had two kids. They had an older son named O'Brien, and they lived in Shelby, North Carolina, which is a little suburban community of twenty thousand people, right on the edge of the Charlotte area. So pretty unremarkable place. Not a lot of headline making crime. Aisha and O'Brien were latchkey kids, just like Jessica and myself. Well, me for a time, mm. you for a long time. <laughs> You're you've got a trucker in the I family. was allowed to roam the countryside. <laughs> Every day your parents would come home at ten PM and they're just like, God damn it, we give you so much opportunity to run away and you <laughs> continually defy us. And here you are <laughs> the creepy little changeling that snuck in through the bathroom. That's my that's this week's theory, that you are in fact a changeling who just latched onto your parents and they never let go. Uh, so the parents both worked nearby 
And the kids would come home to an empty house while their parents are both still at work. This is pretty much how... This is just childhood in America. So yeah. they would let themselves in after school, and they were such good kids that they would just get started on their homework right away. Aisha was often finished her homework before her parents even got home. Which is, like... There was some threats and bribery at the Como household surrounding homework. Mm. So there was none of this doing it unsupervised shit. I still... Yeah. I still have to threaten and or blackmail myself to do it in grad school. <laughs> True. Oh, yeah. My master's thesis is going to take several kilograms of Skittles to mm. get through it. Just just a regular reward for basic tasks that you should just do for the sake of your of your future self. Nope, I get a skittle every time I don't fall asleep on the keyboard. <laughs> Yay, you did it again! <laughs> Ooh, you get a green one this time. <laughs> Wrote a word, went a full minute without bursting into tears. But this actually, like, strongly reminds me of my own childhood. Like, I was, tr- me and my siblings were trusted to go back and forth from school. We were trusted to go over to our friend's house. As long as we reported back to our parents where we were, that was basically fine. Actually, this is not um, the degree experience. So the, the degree kids were latchkey kids that they could let themselves in when they got home. But uh, the degree children were actually very sheltered. Okay. They were not, they were kept away from outside influences and they didn't own a computer, although that wasn't entirely unusual in the year 2000. And they didn't really have anything else in their lives outside of school, family, and church. If they were leaving mm. the house, they were typically going to church or they were going to... They had a lot of family in the area. So while you were allowed to be semi-feral in Greater Grand Prairie... Um, I was allowed to roam trailer parks, yes. <laughs> that's a healthy childhood activity. You know, like, after the the, elv- the the elvish spell on my parents wore off and they had developed an attachment to me, uh, they, they, they felt very comfortable just letting me roam the countryside. But actually, this is very similar to my experience. I... As, as previously referenced, I do not did not have a curfew, and that was because I didn't really go places. Like, I also had a fairly sheltered childhood, but only due to the fact that... I mean, you can sell drugs around me, but I will not find you. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole childhood was just school, family, and getting hepatitis in trailer parks. <laughs> just a lot of childhood exposure to tetanus. Your parents really went the uh, direct exposure route when it came to vaccinations. Personally, I think the lockjaw just, you know, really, really accentuates the rest of my, of my darling face. (laughs) If you, uh, if you're not going to be a fitness trainer, you don't need use of your voluntary muscles. (laughs) That's great. That's awesome. Um, so the family were very fearful of letting their kids have too much exposure to the outside world because they were frightened, as we all are by news stories about children being lured by pedophiles because even though like statistically that doesn't happen very often when it does mm. you're not seeing shit all on the news for another week or so mm-hmm. that's all that's all it's going to be just you watching grainy CCTV footage of a child being led into a van yeah for a week and at a time realistically like strangers abducting children and strangers uh, sexually abusing children is far less common than uh, family members and family friends. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So sleep well. (laughs) Sleep well. (laughs) Your family are monsters just waiting to snatch your children. Yeah. Hooray. No, like, Asha, Asha had a a similar upbringing that I did. I grew up in an ultra-white suburb. So white, it hurt. And, Mm. um... So white, it blinded. 
I, I grew up in the in the city of St. Albert. You can you can look that up and be sufficiently um, sad for me. There was a lot of mm. good pop punk music that involved like crying on your parents' rooftop because no one understands you. That's sort of mm. the main export from the suburbs, and that's about it. I don't know. You showed me that one excellent St. Albert la- rapper. I thought that was quite impressive. Oh, that's true. Occasionally, very white small towns tend to produce a lot of bad rap music. Good pop punk and bad <laughs> rap music. So, Aisha was not, even, like, among children, she was not an adventurous or rebellious child by any stretch. She was reportedly very shy, very timid, and she had a crippling fear of dogs. So she didn't particularly like to leave the house. She, um... She was afraid, also report, reportedly afraid of the dark and afraid of storms, which is going to make the whole story a whole lot weirder in a second. But basically, the Degree family were just sort of painfully ordinary. Like, just, they were the unseasoned, unflavored oatmeal of families. There was no abuse. There was no sordid past. They were just a bunch of people who loved each other, raising kids in the suburbs. Pretty bland, pretty normal. A minimum of skeletons. Minimal closet skeletons, indeed. Mm. So, like maybe the dad wore like socks and sandals, but only when only when his coworkers couldn't see. I actually feel like that's just an instinct you get when you have children as a man. You're just yeah. like, man, I was. It's like it's like a nesting urge. <laughs> yeah, like as soon as you see the child, you're just like, you know what? Crusty leather sandals and athletic sports socks from Costco. I need those things on my body. Right now. <laughs> this will help me truly provide for my new offspring. You just need a 12-pack of Kirkland athletic socks and you're just, you're good to go. Mm. It's it's the equivalent of a mother cat, like, you know, like, hiding in a small enclosed space under the porch. <laughs> it's like imprinting. You're like, I just need to put on some ill-fitting shorts and get out some barbecue tongs. Like, that's just... <laughs> it's just a man's urges. Mm. Strange you know, Birds feel the... Birds feel the urge to build nests. Dads, they feel the urge to just, you know, trade in trade in the old the mo- motorbike for a Volkswagen and and just really, really, f- for just completely forget how to properly apply suntan lotion. <laughs> I bought my father a headlamp for his birthday this year because they live. My parents live in an area with frequent power blackouts. And during power blackouts, my dad had this small little headlamp that he likes to wear constantly. As long as the power's out. Doesn't matter. If it's two in the afternoon, he needs his fucking headlamp on. Um, so I was like, well, if he's gonna do this, he may as well... Just like- wandering around the den looking like a looking like a, 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 like a sprightly miner. Yeah, he looks like a fucking Chilean miner. Like, he's about to go down the mine shaft. So I was like, if he's gonna do this, he may as well do this right. And I bought him this heavy-duty, multimodal, 4,000-lumen headlamp. And You're a good daughter. I am a good child. And he sent me him he, he sent me a video of himself activating the strobe function and just dancing. <laughs> he's he said I believe his exact words were it has four modes. Here's one, and then one light goes on, two, two light goes on, three, and party mode! And then he just he switches it to strobe mode and just dances in the kitchen. It's <sighs> I have ruined my father. <sighs> Just an ed- elderly maritimer father having the most fun he's had in years. Yep. That's, Just truly finding his calling. That's 50% of my genetic contributions. 
A man in ill-fitting shorts dancing to his own headlamp. <laughs> I don't know why they even let me into New York City. <laughs> I should have been turned away at the airport. You're not cool enough. Go home. Uh, insufficient coolness. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is what reflo- re- philosophy sh- like refers to as like finding your true self and really following your dreams. <laughs> um... So Asia was nine years old, and she was attending the fourth grade at Falston Elementary School when she disappeared. The Friday before her disappearance, February 11th, was President's Day, because, Jesus, Americans, you have so many strange holidays. So many, uh, so many. Right, like... Why do you keep celebrating Columbus? What's wrong with you? I know, that's a little odd. I mean, we celebrate a long-dead queen's birthday, but... It's queen... It's, it's Vicky. But that long-dead queen... I just... I don't know. She, at least she didn't kill anybody personally. <laughs> did Columbus? Or did he just Probably. order it? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Americans... He watched it being done. True. <laughs> as, as far as we know, Queen Victoria did not... She had some distance. She didn't get any blood spatter. Um, she kept it off her shoes. I feel like we're going to do an episode on her and be proven horribly wrong. So that's... <laughs> that's to be We're, we're just going to... We're gonna go through her diaries and just find out that she she literally strangled like an Indian person with her bare hands every day before lunch. Yep. So <laughs> I look forward to being wrong on that one. So uh, for President's Day, schools are closed, but Aisha's parents had to work. So her and her brother spent the day at her aunt's house nearby, and then she went to basketball practice afterwards. The next day, on February twelfth, Aisha's basketball team lost the first game of the season. Aisha, who was the star point guard had fouled out of the game so she was pretty upset about this she's nine it's a hard loss so she cried with her teammates after the game but then she and i actually wrote the words no pun intended in my notes because i hate myself she rebounded quickly <laughs> so bad uh, so bad yeah i'm I'm sorry everybody she uh she seemed fine but come on you're nine and you can't handle losing a single game get it together harden the fuck up <laughs> no don't she's nine they're sports to, not for babies they're allowed to cry about things jessica oh my god <laughs> yeah i was in i was in hockey when i was nine and we literally had a had a had a coach yell at us for skating like little girls but you were... It was a girl's team. Girls. What? <laughs> no, he just... He just took you out back and he beat you with tire irons if you fucked up. Man, uh, that would explain a lot. No, they made me skate laps, which, as previously stated, is dangerous for me. <laughs> That's true. You're not good at breathing or balance or having knives on your feet. Just none of those are your skills. That's not your skill Hey, I am excellent at having knives on my feet. Or anywhere on my person. I'm talking about skates. This was a pun for skates. I have no doubt that you have several pilfered pocket knives stuffed into strange parts of your outfit right now. I have a- yeah, I have one right beside me. Oh, Jesus, that was a joke. Oh, was it? (laughs) This always happens and I never learn. (laughs) God damn it. Oh, dear God. Does it help that I'm also wearing a dog collar? It does not. That's worse. (laughs) That is worse, and I don't want that story. I have trouble sleeping at night as it is, and that's that's so much worse. So Aisha kind of recovered from the basketball game, unlike the fact that I will never recover from my interactions with Jessica. And she seemed fine as she watched her brother's game afterwards. Uh, She was given some candy... Kids get over shit quickly. They're kids. 
they're durable. You can they bounce back. They do literally and figuratively. You can. I'm sure kids are bouncy. So there's oh, not. You would not believe how bouncy they are. Stop throwing toddlers onto the highway. We talked about this. <laughs> it is very hard to podcast from prison. There's just but not impossible. Oh god. There's not a lot of other background information on the kid because I mean, like, she's fucking nine. Like, she didn't have any scandalous lovers or like a secret drug fuel double life. Like. Yeah, the average sheltered nine-year-old doesn't leave much of a paper trail, specifically, particularly one in 1999. This is 2000. She'd, she'd made 2000, it, she made right. it into the millennium. Um, right, yeah, she was she was born later in the year like I was, right? Correct. So, she's just not that interesting. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Children are boring. <laughs> I stand by that. They're also <laughs> sticky, and they put terrible things in their mouths. Mm. Up until All they're the in time. their early 20s, they're still fucking putting cleaning products in their mouths. They are walking disease vectors. Absolutely. Speaking speaking of which, you know the thing I find funniest oh God. about people on the internet thinking that eating cleaning products is a cool, cool thing to do? That started out as a joke in the online neurodiverse community. So of like, course it was a joke. There's yeah, no, it was a joke was made by a, a bunch serious... of autistic people about having impulses to eat things you shouldn't eat. <laughs> yeah, nobody actually looked at Tide Pods and was like, all right, that that's mm. something I want in my face. Like, no. Yes, delicious. <laughs> no, I was at a Columbia University party where, honest to God, Ivy League student ate a Tide Pod. So you know what? Your future's in Ugh. terrible hands. This is not... Oh my God. For the record, it's disgusting. She did not enjoy it. And it was a bad move, so yeah, yeah. don't eat fucking. I don't pie. think that was so. Like, I am all about that Karl Popper falsifiability, you know, test knowledge for yourself kind of thing. Sometimes you should just accept mediated knowledge. Sometimes you don't need to test it yourself. Sometimes you should just accept authority and say, "Hey, maybe I shouldn't eat cleaning detergent." I admire the spirit of discovery and curiosity as much as the next person, but yeah, no, don't put fucking Tide Pods don't in eat, your mouth. Don't eat bleach. Don't eat bleach. Don't eat, don't eat bleach. Don't eat lead. Don't eat bleach. Don't eat, don't eat it. Don't do it. This is most, this mm. podcast is partially crime, partially histories, and partially a list of things you shouldn't eat. Updated The weekly. list is many. Don't eat air freshener. Don't. Don't eat anything uh, Jessica hands you. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Actually, I should that's eat, not true. even eat things I hand myself. That's not true. Jessica routinely breaks into... I have been in a home that you broke into. <laughs> Jessica does this. Jessica routinely commits home invasions to make pancakes. Those you can yeah. eat. Those are fine. Those were good. Yeah. I find out where my friends are partying. Uh, I show up where they're partying about approximately eight hours later. Uh, I break in. And then I make pancakes. <laughs> The house was locked. Like, fully, the house was locked. <laughs> Nobody let you in. And yet, there you were, making pancakes at nine o'clock in the morning when I stumbled up yeah. the stairs. Grooving and really feeling it. <laughs> Dear God. So the day before Asia's disappearance, Saturday, February 13th, started out pretty uneventful. Uh, the kids went to church from one of... This was... Yeah, this is Sunday. The kids went to church from one of their relatives' houses, and then they came home, which was pretty standard for them. And here's what we know about the rest of the day and the following morning. So the father had an afternoon shift at his second job. Um, he worked at PPG Industries, which I didn't bother to Google. I'm sure that Seth will do that for us. And uh, this is good old Papa. 
Yeah, we we have a we have a friend who likes to Google anything that I mention during this podcast and then just send me horrifying information that I don't want to know. I mm. learned this week that uh, Bacolite dildos do in fact exist, and I was sent several links to where I could find them. <laughs> so thanks for that, and I hate everyone. Yeah, I specifically researched Bacolite dildos before I put up the podcast so that I could put the fact that I did know in fact that they existed in the end credits, so I could tell Seth to fuck off from 12 hours in the past. (laughs) I don't pick friends good. (laughs) Ever. So, Harold Degree was at his shift, and he would not return home until after midnight. Aisha and her brother shared a bedroom, and both kids went to bed at 8pm that night, like obedient little children that I never were. My parents had a hard time fucking wrestling me into bed by 1 o'clock in the morning. But I don't know. Yeah, 8 p.m. seemed early to me. I don't know. I don't sleep. Who knows? So the uh, my roommates routinely are like, so you do sleep, right? Like, you do you do, do that. They, they've staged several interventions at this point. <laughs> See, people know that I sleep due to the whole narcolepsy thing. But they're usually informed of... I usually view it as, like, a surprise, like a, a like a new stage of intimacy with my friends. When I suddenly have a narcoleptic episode in public, I turn to them, I inform them of this fact, and then I pass out. <laughs> it's bonding. It's bonding some, experience. Some people have long conversations over coffee. Some people collapse onto their friends in public. <laughs> It's not about Some the journey. Some people just it's, get surprised at the museum. It's about the destination. <laughs> mm. <laughs> to that intimacy. No, my roommate the other day was like, do you sleep or do you just sit and stare at the door and just wait? <laughs> you go into your bedroom several hours a night, but I don't trust it. <laughs> not really, though. Like, sometimes my roommate will, like, wake up in the middle of the night, at, like, four o'clock in the morning, and I'm just coming home from grocery shopping, and she's like, why? Why are you like this? <laughs> That's awesome. That's how much fun it is to live with me. So, the power in the Degrees neighborhood went out at 9pm due to a nearby car accident. I have no idea how hard you have to crash a car to cause a power blackout, but apparently you can do that. Um, mm. So that's a fun option if you're if you're ever bored, I guess. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to doing that the next time I have uh, I have a car accessible. Do not I, crash. It sounds super exciting. Do not crash your car into power lines. That's Don't. Don't eat power don't do lines. It. Don't eat power lines. Uh, actually, they're designing power lines to be safer to crash into. Like, they, uh, they break away if you hit them hard enough at the trunk. And so that, like, the rest of the trunk, instead of just, like, falling onto your car, gets, like, breaks away and it gets, like, uh, supported by the rest of the power line. Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. It's a, it's a safety measure being introduced in many municipalities, but don't test whether or not yours is one of them. (laughs) Yeah. This is not hands-on knowledge. So, no. um, <laughs> again, again, some things you don't need to test for yourself. <laughs> um, so the power was out until a little after 1230 when Harold came home from work and Harold checked on the kids when he got home and they were both asleep in bed. He checked on them once again at 230 a.m. before he went to bed. And once again, both kids were asleep. So this is the end of normalcy. This is normality and creepily obedient children. What are you calling this normal for? Yeah, all right. So. They should be up until three in the morning with a flashlight under the covers. That's what my my childhood was like. Yeah, true story. Part of the reason that I have absolute terrible at vision, like I don't think I've discussed this on the podcast. I have 
a very, very strong prescription for my um, contact lenses because heaven forbid anybody see me in glasses like a nerd. I have about six inches of vision that's clear. Without... Lord preserve us. Yeah, my vision is clear for about six inches uncorrected. And part of that is because I was a little shit. And after my mom would put me to bed, I would try to read my books by streetlight for hours, which was not. <laughs> Don't do that. Which is a healthy behavior that will not damage you physically at all. Yeah, I also have permanent bleach stains on my teeth from eating toothpaste, but that's a whole other story. Whole other story. <laughs> Don't eat toothpaste. Oh, that's on the list. So, <clears throat> around, shortly after their father checked on them, O'Brien saw Aisha get up and walk to the bathroom, and at the time she was wearing a white teddy bear nightgown with red trim. And I have now put in my notes, I mean a nightgown with a teddy bear on it, not a teddy nightgown. You sick fuck, <laughs> she is a child. It's good. Thank you, Janelle, from the past for, for clearing that one up. You're looking out for us, past Janelle. <laughs> it's you fix, past Janelle so very rarely cares about the uh, the needs and wants of current Janelle and future Janelle, but sometimes she comes through. <laughs> <laughs> She's untrustworthy, but when she comes through, she comes through hard. <laughs> comes in clutch. Yep. So Aisha returned to bed, and shortly after he heard Aisha's bed squeak. He did not get out of bed to investigate or turn over or whatever the hell to look at his sister because he figured she was just turning over in her sleep and he went back to sleep. So it's pretty reasonable. If Perfectly normal, unsuspicious reaction. If you share a bed with somebody and you leap out of bed to investigate anytime you make a noise, that's a really awesome way to no longer share a room with somebody. Yeah, that's a really great way to sleep on the couch for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So... Aisha was not turning over in her sleep. Aisha, at some point in the night, got out of bed, got dressed in a white shirt and white pants. She grabbed a book bag that she had probably packed sometime earlier. She grabbed a book bag packed with her outfits and personal possessions, and she then walked out of the house into a raging storm and started walking down the side of North Carolina Highway 18. She never returned home again. What the fuck? Yeah. The siren I can hear in the background of, of your recording is, is really uh, thematic, actually. It's mm. good. Thank you. S Atmospheric Poignant. Siren. Yeah, good. Thank you, city of Vancouver, for this moment. Excellent. You really, you really, you're really helping our budget <laughs> with just the thematic theme, like the, 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 like the thematic sirens. I mean, uh, we were going to record this yesterday, and I'm glad that we didn't, because my neighbor spent half an hour shooting fireworks off the roof, so, you know. Mm, so like Sometimes city noises don't cooperate. They don't mm. appreciate my art. Stop all your activity, New York. Yeah. Sleep for one sleepless city. <laughs> I need respect my art. Shut up, Manhattan. My vision. <laughs> There's no other artists or comedians anywhere in New York City. I am I'm carrying this burden alone. I alone am the entire artistic output output of my metropolis of the local metropolis metropolitan area. Excellent. Um, so there was a few final sightings of Asia before her disappearance. So between three forty-five and four fifteen a.m., two different motorists spotted a young black girl wearing all white walking down the side of Highway eighteen, which is probably Asia because there just aren't a lot of young black girls wearing all white walking down the side of Highway eighteen in rainstorms at four in the morning. Yeah, not. Like, I wouldn't assume that that's super popular. No. That being said, it's good that they didn't just assume that was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might have. They did not immediately report this to the police. They only came forward after learning about the case on TV the next day. Mm. So despite the storm, like, she disappeared in quite a rainstorm. 
she had no hat or coat on, and she was not carrying a flashlight, despite the fact that the highway was unlit. She was just kind of going for it. See, and if I personally, if I saw a nine-year-old just walking down the highway when it's pouring rain. You fucking stop. I'd stop. Yeah, you I fucking stop. stop. I know a lot of people, like, don't want to get involved with other people's business. You know, you want to, you know, let other people... But this is a child. ...live their best life. This is not a child living her best life. This is not a, this is not a fierce, independent woman. This is a lost child on the highway. You, you get to intervene. Yeah, like... People stop me, a full-grown adult, when I'm walking around without shoes on in the summertime because they're concerned. Because they should be concerned. Because they should be concerned. But at least, like, there is some theoretical realm in which I have chosen to do that, which I have. You're an adult. You can consent to getting tetanus. I'm an adult. (laughs) Yeah, like, I can fully consent to getting glass lodged in my feet. I don't know why you do consent to this, but you do. But I do. Because somebody do. deeply, spiritually, emotionally harmed you as a child, is my running yeah. theory. Somebody somebody hurt you and now you want feet full of glass. But Aisha was not. She was no. not that. Like this is this is a child. Regardless of whether or not she chose to be there, we don't really respect children's choice to get hypothermia. We don't respect <laughs> children's choices to do shit. We don't let them pick their own fucking haircuts. Because they're yeah, bad at it. Yeah, we don't let them pick their own haircuts. We don't. We barely let them pick their own clothes. Why? Because they have no taste. I sh- I should never have been allowed to dress myself as a child. It was just linen pants and loud shirts all the way through. <laughs> until I was I've old seen enough to go. It was a train wreck. It was until I was old <laughs> enough to go full My Chemical Romance fangirl, and then that was actually worse. That was worse. Mm. But like, we generally do not respect a child's decision to wander down the highway late at night. No, during a thunderstorm. No, absolutely not. So she was walking south, the same way that her school bus went every day. So she was at least quasi familiar with the area. Mm-hmm. Um, the last person to see Asia Degree, as far as we know, was a driver who passed her on the side of the road at around four in the morning. This guy actually turned his car around because he had like a a lick of goddamn sense, and he realized that it's mm. not fucking okay for a small child to go for a goddamn stroll at four in the morning in a heavy rainstorm. So good on you, <laughs> only man with sense. Thank you, sir, for restoring partial faith in humanity. Hooray! So at this point, Asia was 1.3 miles from her house, which is a long way for a little girl to walk in a storm in the middle of the night. Mm. So the guy kind of did like three... It's not a pleasure stroll. It's not. It's But where the fuck is she going? So the guy kind of circles around three times doing that like, what the fuck do I do kind of deliberation. Mm. And he eventually decided that he was going to try to approach her. And um, when he did so, Aisha suddenly ran from the roadside and dashed into the woods by the side of the highway. Like a startled deer? Yeah, and this is the last confirmed sighting of her. Just out of nowhere, she was approached and she took off into the woods. And this is the last time she was seen. Yeah. I have no words. It's a, it's a weird fucking case. I, I, Holy crap. I did. I, uh, there was warning at some point. You were warned. I think this is like, this is the nightmare that haunts every single parent or future parent. But I don't think too many parents actually are like, what if my child's spontaneously decides to become a wood nymph. Like, there's a lot of things that you need to worry about as a parent, but I feel like that's generally something that you feel pretty safe from. Like, 
I feed my child. Yeah. They have a good life here. I don't think that they'll abandon it to live a simpler life in the woods. Yeah, like the reason, part of the reason why this is so horrifying as an adult and as somebody who like hates the wilderness. Just, <laughs> no, just somebody who like knows how dangerous the world can be when you are small. <laughs> That's true. Like, like. We always think that, like, one of the reasons why uh, people are always far more scared of, like, oh, some predator, some creeper is going to take my child, rather than the million far more common risks to your that your child faces on a daily basis, is because we just sort of assume that your child won't just run away. Or if that, that if they do, that you'll be able to find them again. Like, that, that, like, you don't have to worry that your child will just, like, Sprint into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> no, generally you never don't. be seen again. No, it's it's generally like it's generally not on people's radar. Like especially, and we'll kind of get into this. Is like Aisha's case doesn't make sense as a child runaway case, no matter how you look at it. We'll kind of we'll kind of get no, into this. No, it doesn't. No, um, I made a valiant attempt to run away once as a child on a beach. I apparently just like. I was on a crowded beach at the age of five, and I apparently just took off for the sea. I was ready to. <laughs> and my mom Neptune embraced me yeah. I was I watched too much Little Mermaid and I just I was done with this land you bullshit. were ready I wanted to be where the fish were I don't know you wanted to go full reverse Ariel <laughs> I was done being where the people are I think was my logic at the time but I took off and I, I wanna see wanna see him swimming <laughs> yeah or I I just wanna drown self-hatred runs deep I don't know but I took off on this crowded beach and just nobody could find me. I was immediately swallowed by the crowd. And as a child, I mean, this is this has since corrected itself, but as a child, I had the sense of direction of a Roomba. I just... I you just bumped into walls yeah, and, I would just, and then like bounced off and kept going? I would just go a direction till I could no longer go that direction due to a physical barrier. And then I would go a different direction and there was no purpose. To where I was going. I routinely got lost in my own neighborhood. Yeah. If you made the floor cleaner by running around, it was an accident. <laughs> exactly. So I would just, I just wandered a beach for half an hour. And my mom, I think, is still traumatized. She still <laughs> makes me text her every hour that I'm awake to make sure that I have not gotten lost in New York City. Which is hard to do. Mm. It's, it's a grid. I mean. See, when I was a child, my sister took off bare naked in a pair of hot heels and just started strolling down the highway. Children are like that. They're I, weird. I think your sister may have been starting a career. I don't think that <laughs> She was like one or two. Start them young. I don't think she... Start them young. Get them. Groom them early, apparently. Holy fuck. Okay, that's weird. We can't, we can't continue this topic. <laughs> We're... But yeah, when when children take off, it tends to be, it tends to be stuff like that. It tends to be they either get startled or they see something interesting when they are out and about, and then they just get too far away from their parents, it's, get confused, and don't know how to get back. It's not normally a planned thing. No. And the kids who do plan runaways tend to run away from the houses that you would expect them to run away from. Yeah. There's, yeah. Well, we'll you know, get they into don't usually this. They don't usually run away from happy homes where they were well-loved and well-cared for, and they 
definitely don't run away when it's the middle of the night and it's raining. Like, they usually plan a little bit better. Yeah. So, this is all very strange. So, but, I mean, if there's a lesson to this podcast, the lesson is that if you see a young, unaccompanied child on the side of the road at four in the morning, you should just snatch them immediately. Immediately. Do not hesitate. Don't even hesitate. No, just grab just them. Just grab them and pull them into the car. Okay, to, to be clear, this only applies to young, unaccompanied children on the side of the road at four in the morning. This is not generalizable advice. Do not snatch <laughs> children in other circumstances. Do not panic every time you see an unaccompanied child and just immediately take them. <laughs> well, this podcast is going to end up on a watch list. That's good. So... Aisha's mother, Aquila, woke up at 5.45 on Valentine's Day to start getting the kids ready for school, which is, I mean, wow, that is dedication. Mm-hmm. I would I would be inclined to just set an alarm and let the little bastards figure it out themselves, but <laughs> she's a good parent, so she'd drew- Go to school or don't! <laughs> See if I care. Uh, there's always buck naked I highway mean- walking with a, in your fucking heels if you need to earn your keep. <laughs> There's a set of heels in the street corner. Go nuts. I mean, like, I care about the education of children, but not as much as I care about getting at least six hours of sleep. There we go. So she drew a bath for the kids since they hadn't been able to take one the night before due to the power outage because holy fuck, kids are work. So Aquila went to wake the children up. They had an alarm set for 6.30 in the morning, but since they hadn't been able to bathe, she went to go wake them up a little early so she could get one of them into the tub. And she was alarmed to discover that Asia was not in her bed, because obviously that's fucking alarming. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's it's pretty much the worst thing for parents ever. We don't. We generally don't allow children to go rogue. <laughs> no. So she searched no. the house and she searched the family cars for Asia, but she found no sign of her. So she told Harold that the daughter was missing, and he suggested that she may have gone across the street to Aquila's mother-in-law's house. There was a lot of family in the area. So Hmm. she called her mother's- Which would still be a deeply weird thing for her to have done, but reasonable. But reasonable. So she called the mother-in-law's house, and she spoke to her sister-in-law, who let her know that Aisha was not there. So it's at this point that Aquila begins to panic, because again, of course she fucking does. Yeah. This is where most- I'm amazed she's been calm this long. No, exactly. Like, this is admirable, because my mother would be up on the fucking roof by this point. Yeah. This would be high-pitched shrieking territory already. Oh, my mother would be incomprehensible at this point. There'd be- she would be no help to anybody. So- She'd be disrot and, 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 like, rending her clothes and gnashing her teeth. Pretty much. I'm a pretty precious commodity. So, <laughs> Aquila began to- I understand the devastation. Aww. Again, I think that's a compliment. You'd you'd be worth so much money just being 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 brought down to parts. That's that's great. That's awesome. Mm. I I feel so much better when I talk to you. I don't I don't know. So, um, Aquila called her her own mother, who told her like hang up and call the police. So she did that, which mm. sure. So police like police take missing children pretty seriously these days. There's a lot of different... It's funny when you do a lot of true crime research. Um, there's a huge difference between the way that police respond to missing children's cases in, like, the 60s and 70s or mm. or earlier and the way that they respond to missing kids now. Yeah. This used to be a much more casual affair, but it's not. So the police were on the scene... It's like, what? Your six-year-old is missing? He probably just went down to the, went down to the bar. Whatever. Mm. Call us if he comes back. He's gone for cigarettes. He's five. Like, yeah, no, that's we don't do that anymore. Now we have Amber Alerts. So, mm. although I don't know that the program was in place at the time. I don't know. 
I'm not an Amber. I think so. I think so. But police were on the scene with dogs within 10 minutes. So they took it seriously. But the dogs weren't any help. Um, they weren't able to get any scent. Because it was raining. There you go. <laughs> uh, forensics. Hooray. But I mean... Dogs, it... while magnificent, can't sense, smell something that isn't there. Yeah, I mean, they gave it the old college try. Aquila ran through the neighborhood shouting Aisha's name, and by 7 a.m. she'd woken up pretty much everyone in the vicinity. Most of the neighbors, as well as the Degrees family and friends, canceled their plans for the day to join the search effort. And then local clergy kind of made their way over to the Degree house in order to offer support for the family. This is a morbid thing that I learned by being part of a search party, but immediate family are generally not encouraged to be part of the search family, the search party. They are generally not supposed to do that. Because they're considered suspects. Yeah, there's like a twofold thing where they're considered a suspect, so you don't want to give them opportunity to tamper with the crime scene in case they do that. But also, like. But they're also less likely to obey instruction because they're distraught. Yeah, and just sort of, you don't want a family member to be the one to find someone if it's not a happy ending. It's a little awkward when the mom finds the corpse. It's not good. Yeah, I've I've been on a search party for a missing person and, you know, the whole, like, link arms and walk through a field kind of thing and just... Yeah, yeah. It's bad if you don't know the person. It's it's worse if you do. So mm. they were... they were There was clergy at their house to sort of offer them support and everything. But the only thing that the search team discovered that day was a mitten that did not belong to Asia. So they found somebody's missing mitten, but not helpful. Yeah. And then after learning about the case on the news, the dr- I wonder if they, that mitten ever got home. That's what I wondered, too. Like, I mean, they found the mitten. They may as well just find the owner. You've got a yeah. large amount of manpower on your hands. But the drivers all came forward that day to report their sightings of Asia after learning about the case on the news. Apparently, the man who saw a child sprint into the woods at four in the morning didn't think that didn't that was- did report it? Yeah, apparently not. So, you know- you- Humanity! Faith in humanity- destroyed. I know, Thank you. I know a lot of people are really hesitant to, like, call in stuff if it's not an obvious crime, but, like, you get to call in unaccompanied children at four in the morning. That's a thing that you, that yeah. somebody should should know about that. You need to tell someone. I, I, like, I am fully supportive of people minding their own beeswax, but, like, no. <laughs> child. Child. Four in the morning. Sprint into the woods. Hard no. Call somebody. Call somebody. <laughs> so Aisha's parents took an inventory. Anybody. Yeah, anybody. Like not, not anybody. Just anybody. No. Specifically no. the police. <laughs> do do call the police. Don't don't call just anybody. Don't call your local psychic hotline and let them know. <laughs> they will not help H- you. Hello, Tim Hortons. Uh yeah, hey, I saw a small child run to the woods. Um, sir. <laughs> and I will have a large double double. To go, please. You're calling. A child is missing. You may as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Aisha's parents took an inventory of her belongings, and they quickly realized that several important things were missing. So she took her black backpack and her Tweety Bird purse because, again, she's she's nine. Oh. She also took several important outfits with her, including her basketball uniform and a pair of Tweety Bird overalls that she was fond of. Because I don't know, this girl was all about Tweety Bird. She mm. also, interestingly, took some family photos with her. And although she went missing in mid-January, it's interesting what she didn't take. She didn't take any winter gear. She didn't take any hats, winter jackets, or mittens. Um, and she didn't really take a lot of sentimental items, either. She took the photos, but she didn't take much else. Just basically clothes and some school supplies and that. She went missing 
in the middle of the night during a thunderstorm in January? With no coat. She just went she just went out in her shirt. So she urged to strangle every adult who saw her and didn't stop. Oh yeah, she didn't rising. she didn't have a coat on. So she clearly intended to be away for multiple days. She'd packed multiple outfits, but it's not really clear if she planned to come back or where she wanted to go. I mean, if if you're taking family photos, that might mean that you don't intend to return, but who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Yeah, like if part of the problem here is like you could assume that kind of thing if it was an older person. Yeah, but she's, but she's nine, nine. So how good is her concept so, of time and packing? Yeah, like how 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 much is she prioritize how is she prioritizing things? How is she thinking of things? How is like like how is she understanding sentimental value? Uh is is there any fantasy involved in the in the, in the decision making here? Yeah, and without having know. without having done like a psych- psychiatric assessment of her prior to her disappearance, it's hard to say um, where she was at with all these sort of things. What I find kind of chilling is this detail: Aisha's key was missing, and when she was discovered to be missing, all the doors of the house were locked that morning. So Aisha appears to have left and then locked the door behind her. Which I don't know. That just creeps me out. Yeah, it's just. It makes it so much clearer that it was a planned disappearance. Like, she was... It's it's so calculated. Yeah. You would assume that if a child left in those circumstances, left their house, that they would be too distraught to close the door and lock it. Yeah, so she wasn't fleeing in a blind panic. Like, she, she paused and locked the door. I don't know. So, on February 17th, a couple days after she disappeared, the search found the only real clues that were ever discovered in the initial investigation. So they discovered candy wrappers inside an open shed that belonged to a business that was right along the highway, um, close to where Aisha disappeared. The wrappers are apparently matched the candy that Aisha had been given after her basketball game shortly before she disappeared. Along with the candy wrappers were a pencil, a marker, and a distinctive Mickey Mouse hair bow that belonged to Aisha. So, that's curious. That is very strange. Um, unfortunately, the discovery of these things didn't really lead to any kind of break in the case. So a, a week later, after they'd done about 9,000 man-hours of searching and investigating, the search was called off. They had done a ground search of a three-mile radius, and they'd followed up on over 300 leads and tips, and they had pretty much squat. They had nothing. Bupkis. Bupkis. Diddly. They had candy wrappers in a shed. Which is not... Nada. As far as leads go, it's not great. So... After the immediate ground and air searches were over, police announced that they were they were going long range with their search for Asia, which is a direct quote, and I have no fucking idea what that means. So, but they were going long range. Based on investigations of the family home, police believe that Asia had planned and prepared for her disappearance over the course of several days. So they don't think that she packed the bag the night she disappeared. They think that she had packed it in advance and had probably carefully considered what she wanted to pack. Which makes sense. It would probably would have caused a lot more noise and a lot more disturbance if she had tried to do that while her brother was sleeping. But on the other hand, it makes no fucking sense because why the fuck was she doing this? Yeah, like, why was she leaving? This is Like, that yeah, this rules is... out the idea that she was just really distraught by her basketball game. Well, because, like, most kids, the planning would have had to have happened beforehand. Well, even if she did plan from her basketball game onward, like, kids get over stuff. Yeah, they do. Really quick. So, 
curious. Like, children, compared to adults, don't tend to dwell on those kinds of disappointments nearly as long. Well, no, as a kid- They tend to bounce back emotionally and physically. Way better than adults do. Well, yeah, as a kid, like, something, you know, something- doesn't go your way and you're kind of bummed and then someone gives you candy and then that's kind of fun and then something shiny strikes your interest and you run off like a little magpie but as an adult you just sort of lie awake in bed 20 years after a party and think god you said an asshole thing i bet everyone from that party still hates you yeah and that's one of the benefits and one of the failings of meta of of the metacognition that comes with development (laughs) yeah if possible do not develop an adult brain it's not good yeah (laughs) <laughs> I mean, on, on one hand, you will you will make better decisions. On the other hand, you will mentally punish yourself for any flaw in those decisions for decades. You will have nom-style flashbacks to dickish things you said, like, five years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I still have, like, the impulse control of a child. I still occasionally have candy for dinner, but now, yeah, I just feel deep regret and shame for things that I should not have regret or shame about, so... Mm. It's mm. it's been fun. It's been a ride. Mixed blessing. All right, mm. but on the other hand, I can have a credit card. So woo woo. All right, it, it all works out in the end. So Aisha's case is incredibly unusual because it doesn't, as we've mentioned, match the profile of a typical runaway at all. For one thing, she's too young. So the youngest, mm-hmm. the youngest that kids start running away intentionally is usually about the age of twelve, and your average runaway is in their mid to late teens. Nine-year-old runaways are virtually unheard of, and most police, uh, police in most states, I was going to say most police states, I'm like, maybe this is also true for police states. (laughs) Those words mean different things when you put them in different orders. Mm. Um, It is a peculiar collocation. (laughs) Yeah, police in most states, and probably in police states, don't classify children under the age of 10 as runaways, because the behavior is so rare, and in most cases they are wandering off, as we've mentioned Rather than intentionally mm-hmm. running away, they've got turned around, they wandered off, they saw something shiny, and they get lost. It's usually not an intentional disappearance. No, they don't mean to do it. Runaways are almost always fleeing from obviously horrifying circumstances. The vast, vast majority of runaways live in homes with physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Or a combination of the three, because humans are awful. It's we are garbage. Absolute garbage monsters. It's also a, a disproportionate number of runaways are LGBTQ+, who are fleeing from horrific, unaccepting homes. Or it's also not uncommon for pregnant teenagers to flee their homes because their parents are horrible. Yeah, it's, it's usually a reaction of a more cognizant, more developed child to a horrifying situation where the only out they see is escape. It's also normally, like, a kind of a reasonable decision. When Mm -hmm. you look at the house that somebody runs away from, you're normally like, yeah, I'd probably hit the road too. Like, I I get why you didn't want to live here. Like, yeah, like, the average 14-year-old who decides to run away from a home, like... They probably are at least vaguely aware that it will be hard for them to get food. It will be hard for them to get shelter. It will be hard for them to find... It will be hard for them to survive outside of the home of their parents. And even then, they are accepting that risk. Yeah, I mean, like, teenagers... You know, if if you take away your 14-year-old's Xbox, he might stomp up the stairs shrieking that he's gonna run away forever. 
But the reality is if he comes from a safe home where he's not abused and he has plenty of food and shelter in his own room and all these wonderful things, he's not fucking running away. No. Like, no. It's it's not typically going to happen. Or if he does attempt to run away, it's not a real serious attempt. Yeah, it's it's one of those like faint attempts where like the the unseriousness and the poor planning of it clearly indicates that like they were never fully committed to the idea. Oh yeah, my I was a It's a different phenomenon entirely. Fucking vaguely human-shaped nightmare in my teenage years. And I was particularly fond of storming. You're, you were a pimple who cried. I wanted to be so much sadder than I really was. I liked I liked hair dye and black cargo pants and angst. You were a le- rebel looking for a cause. I had literally uh, an nothing to rebel against. teenager looking for sadness. <laughs> I had nothing to be sad about, but I still wanted a reason to cry on the roof because it was poetic. Mm. So I was a fan of, like, storming out and slamming the door, then I would just sort of walk around the block and come home, because I was hungry. So, mm. there's that. <laughs> um, runaway teens typically fit kind of a profile. They almost always have a history of foster care involvement. They almost always have issues with school, and a vast majority of them have some sort of substance problem. So, Or they have a history of it, or a suspected history of it. They sort of fit into this horrifically depressing profile. And, Mm -hmm. like, I probably should have realized how depressing this was when I started researching this, because this was my job for a while, but yeah, no. Damn. Yeah, it's it's just, it's human sadness, but... It's like, a lot of these things, they're not necessarily causal of each other, but they tend to have common causes. There's just a sector of the population lives in immeasurable sadness, and we just try not to think about it on a regular basis. Don't think about it, la la la, don't look behind the curtain. That was something. All right. Hello, content of my nightmares. So, in any case, Aisha didn't fit this profile at all. She came from a good, stable, loving home. She did well in school. She had a really good relationship with immediate and extended family. So if something had happened at her house, there was a lot of- she could have gone across the street. Yeah, there was a lot of places for her to go to if she wasn't happy. But it doesn't make sense for a child like Aisha to intentionally plan to run away, and yet all the evidence points to the fact that she left her house willingly that night. She was seen. She was seen unaccompanied walking down the highway. Yeah, like, it's very clear that, like, like, I'm not gonna say that there was no coercion, but, like, no one physically coerced her out of the house. She was never seen with anybody else. No. And she locked the door behind her, so God knows. So the only break in this case came in August of 2001. So a contractor was digging up a plot of woodlands for a construction project, and he unearthed Aisha's book bag, which had been buried at the site wrapped into garbage bags, and still contained at least some of her things. Aisha was last seen about a mile south of the house, but the bag was located 26 miles north of it. And to be perfectly honest, that is not a good sign. No, I wouldn't assume that it was. This is not a good discovery. So, the bag still had Aisha's phone number and her name written inside of it, which is how we know that it was hers. Handy. The contractor who found the bag felt a little uneasy about the fact that a child's backpack had been buried in the middle of a vacant rural lot. Good instincts. Good instincts, sir. So he wrote- Because that is a horror movie shit. Yeah, generally children don't wander out into the middle of the wilderness and then bury their own backpacks wrapped in several plastic garbage bags it's not usually not normally an act of childlike whimsy so um Mm. he wrote down the name and phone number and he showed them to his wife when he got home 
And his wife, who I guess watched the news, immediately clapped a hand to her mouth and said, Oh my god, Terry. She recognized the name from the news and she phoned the tip in. So, police took the bag for forensic testing and they are not releasing the results of any of it. Mm. Hella holdback information. Hella holdback information. We've kind of talked about this in previous cases and if you're the sort of person who likes to binge watch uh, or binge listen to true crime podcasts to fill the void deep inside you, um, you'll know what holdback information is. It's information that's not released to the public to help police verify the real killer's identity or in this case the real abductor's identity or just whoever the fuck knows what's going on. People like to call in a lot of strange bogus tips after these kinds of cases and sometimes having holdback information helps them determine who is real and who is just trying to god knows get a thrill i don't know what's get wrong attention what's wrong with you people humans are garbage yeah, it's 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 sorting the wheat from the chaff or in this case the crazies from the potentially life-saving tips yeah so the contractor who found the bag has an agreement with an investigators that he will not speak about the details of what he found so he won't go into details about what is or isn't in the bag all he will say is that the situation made him uneasy, there was some stuff in there, he copied down the name, and he copied down the number inside. He also says that a lot of media outlets have printed false information about the discovery of the bag, or if they have misattributed quotes to him, and he does not fucking appreciate it. So, basically what I took from Leave this- Leave the dude alone. He's terrified, and he found a horrifying backpack. Yeah, he's he's been through enough. And his name's Terry. I mean, that's a lot for one person. Poor Terry. I know. So- any information about what was or wasn't in the bag is probably mostly hearsay. Fun. Mm. So after this, the case pretty much went cold. Someone called in a tip in 2004 telling the police to dig near a specific intersection, which they did, because, I mean, they listen to tips. They're not just sitting yeah. at their desks. They're not just looking for someone to talk to. Police did locate bones where they were told there would be bones, but those turned out to be animal bones, and this was a prank because people are garbage, as we have covered. Sometimes, I think to myself, humanity was a mistake. Right? Like, this was bad. This is- we should go back. This was all a mistake. Just erase it. Just get a big reality eraser. Start again! <laughs> right, like, if you're bored, and you really need something to do- there's a world of video games out there. There's uh, there's so more many. video games than you could ever play. There's more movies than you could ever watch. There's more TV than you could ever want. You and don't if you just want to be important and waste people's time. Just take the Tide Pod challenge. You don't you don't need to fake a the corpse of a missing child. That's not You don't need to. There's just so many that other is options. The last thing you need to do. It's not that's not a fun afternoon. It's not a good activity. No. So... Why don't you go, like, stare in the sun or at the sun for five minutes or something? <laughs> you are literally doing the world a favor by just staring at a hot ball of plasma until you go blind rather than pretend to have found the body of a child. Yeah, just just see if you can count the sunspots. Just Whew. really get in there. The pain means it's working. <laughs> go find... The largest multi-lane highway you can find and just play a good game of human frogger. <laughs> just go for it. So this has been a very bleak episode but the good news in all of this is that the case has recently been reopened by the FBI. Evidence is being reanalyzed, witnesses are being re-interviewed, all the good stuff. And in May of 2016, the FBI revealed that Aisha may have gotten into a car the night she disappeared. 
They are not saying how they know this. They are not saying where this information comes from. They're just saying car. So, they describe the car as a dark green early 1970s Lincoln Continental Mark IV or a Ford Thunderbird from around the same era with rust around the wheel wells. Interesting. You know, my dad has a Thunderbird from 1968, but it's silver. <gasps> it's silver and also it, like, hasn't actually run for most of its existence. So your father probably didn't kidnap this little girl probably from the not. 90s. Somebody did die probably in his- Probably not. Someone died in his car. He That's why he got a, a discount on it, but- Oh. Yeah. Good deal. Your father is a savvy businessman. Also, my- yeah, my father bought it when he was, like, 14, so- (laughs) (laughs) My father, like, the car was also, like, literally sealed in a garage in 2000, and my father was living almost 3,000 kilometers away from it. It was it was not- I don't think it even So I think we can rule him out. It's the wrong color, and it had no (laughs) wheels. It was probably not the right car. So- (laughs) Um, probably. Probably not. So in September of 2017, the FBI Child Abduction Rapid Development Team, which has the acronym CARD, went to the area mm. to assist with what appears to be a renewed search for Asia. Again, like, they're not giving a lot of information, but we do know that this team is there. Um, I'm not a super expert here, but the CARD team only specializes in child abductions. That is all they mm. do. So it seems... It's what they're about. With my superior graduate school educated powers of deduction i think the fbi might believe she was abducted damn did i say powers of abduction i do not have powers of abduction my powers of deduction i all the powers of abduction in this podcast are mine that is true you probably are actively abducting ducks from the vancouver area (laughs) just just a ducks are just friend just a bathtub full of ducks My roommate is really distressed. He hasn't had a shower since shower since September. The ducks make him nervous. Ducks, 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 ducks. Ducks are assholes. Oh, they are. A duck something friendlier. Mm. Not children. Like maybe a goose. Those are worse. (laughs) A goose will break your arm. Canada geese may look nice. They're assholes. They're the worst birds. That was the worst part about like the first time I went to Central Park. I was like, all right, I'm in Manhattan. I'm going to Central Park. This is great. And I get there and there's just fucking Canada geese everywhere. And I was like, God damn it. I can't. They followed me. I can't escape these assholes. (laughs) The worst. Um, So in researching this podcast, though, I actually went on. The the FBI have been making Facebook posts sort of about this, this case. And I learned that the comments on the FBI Facebook page are a hot, bubbling soup of crazy. As with any any comment section oh my on God. the internet. No, it's worse. It's so much worse. None of the comments on their posts have anything to do with the post. It's it's just conspiracy theories about the government being lizard people. It's horrific. Just just 100% reptilians? Sometimes it's just word 100% salad. Of the time. Like, just people who are not well and are not capable of taking care of themselves, are very much capable of finding the FBI's Facebook page and making incomprehensible comments. So mm. that was a fun thing that I learned. Life lesson. Awesome. So the whole story of this podcast kind of boils down to the question of where's Aisha? Why did she go missing and what happened to her? And if I knew, I would not be sitting here doing this podcast. I would probably be calling someone because that's what you should yes. do if you have information about a missing child. Or if you yeah. see a child that is, like, in the process of going missing, you call that shit in. So Do something! <laughs> the family have been fighting hard to keep her case in the news as much as they possibly can, but it's been sort of an uphill battle. I mean, for one, this is a 17-year-old case. 
But for two, to the surprise of nobody, the public does not care about a missing little black girl as much as they care about missing little white girls. Because yeah. people are actual garbage. Yeah, like, this is the whole, like... Like, when you when you mentioned earlier that, like, they got there with dogs within ten minutes of the call, I was just, like, genuinely happily surprised because the vast majority of resources of the of the police, of the public, the vast majority of the public's attention span goes towards that image of the, the little the, the little white girl who goes missing. We all want to find and John Benet Ramsey. Just that's we all We all want to find John Benet Ramsey and that like I don't think that it, it's that like those little girls don't deserve attention. No. But it crowds but out. But we should care about all missing children uh, equally. Yeah, like we should care about every little little girl and little boy that goes missing, not just the ones that look good on the side of a side of a milk carton. I mean, like not just the ones that match our bizarre narratives about these kinds of things. And like Asia is an adorable little girl. Like, um, I'm sure her her picture will be the header on this podcast episode. But there's also um, we'll put some pictures up on the social media sites. She's an adorable little girl. She's objectively adorable. I want to go get a fucking flashlight and go out to the woods and start looking. And yeah, as my as her time twin, I feel a certain attachment. If I had gone missing at the exact same age, more people would have cared. <laughs> well, you, and for one, I'm surprised that you didn't go missing. I have seen the way that you deal with distractions. I am fairly <laughs> certain that your trip to visit me in two weeks to New York City will be the last time. I will be reporting something to the police in two weeks. This is what she I, was... <laughs> I will fully admit that I have a genuine problem not running into traffic when I see pigeons. I... I mean, we're supposed to go to Central Park, and there's a lot of things there that are very distracting, and there's a lot of woods in there. I just, like, I <sighs> feel like I need to take a photo of you every morning that you're here so that I can later describe your outfit to authorities. <laughs> just every time you go out with me, just list, like, just write down a list of everything I'm wearing. It's your, like, <laughs> last scene. So if, you know, if you were gonna get a tattoo or a distinguishing marking, you've got two weeks. Chop, chop. <laughs> the police, the FBI are, like I said, they've reopened the case. They are renewing the interest. They are currently offering a $25,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person responsible for H's disappearance. And there's a community organization out there that are willing to chip in an additional $20,000. So if you know where Aisha went, or you've got your suspicions, or you've got student loans to pay, now's the time. There is $45,000 out there if you have information that could help us find out what happened to Aisha. If adorable little girl is not enough for you, there is money. <laughs> there is money. If, if human life... And the suffering of a family is not sufficient motivation because you are, in fact, a hot bubbling soup of garbage. There's if you are a human black hole, there is also cash. There's cash. That's that's an acceptable motivation 17 years down the line. So, I mean, even if you know somebody who lived or traveled around the Charlotte area in the year 2000 and they owned a green vehicle similar to the make and models we just listed which I will remind you is an early 1970s model Lincoln Continental Mark IV or an early 1970s Ford Thunderbird with rust around the wheel wells. If you know somebody who lived or worked in the area and had a vehicle like that, you should probably call the police. Yeah. You are not you wasting their absolutely time. absolutely call They want to hear from you. They actively, yeah. the FBI and the Charlotte police want to hear from you. Even if you think it might be wrong, 
Yeah, be Even wrong. Even if you think there is a high chance that you are wrong, if there is a sense, if you have a sincere suspicion, or even if you are not suspicious of this person at all, but they match, they they have a, had a vehicle that matched this description, and they were in the area. Tell the police. Yeah, even if you're not entirely sure, the police it's would rather okay have wrong. they'd rather have a lead to cross off than nothing. So, mm-hmm. just in case like, this, this you're not misleading them, they have the resources to check these kinds of things. Yeah, so do it. Don't be an asshole. Don't be human garbage. If you have information, call the fucking police. I think I called the police recently on a case. What did you? Oh, that's right. That's right. Jessica and yeah. I like uh, have interest in true crime, but uh, our interest in true crime doesn't even begin to match your mother's. Oh, absolutely not. My mother has been like most of my understanding of true crime and most of my interest in true crime comes from the fact that my mother is deeply passionate about the subject. Literally learned like, it at mommy's knee. Literally learned it at Mummy's Knee. I'm pretty sure I knew what, like, sexual assault was and, and what, what, like, and, like, the, de- the several stages of decomposition before I knew, I knew what actual romantic attraction was. I'm sure your first word was putrefaction. <laughs> I, I definitely knew it before the age of five. That's healthy. And my mother has a particular interest in a cold case, which she had me, uh, call in a, or report uh, a potential a potential match for a ma- match between a missing persons case and a cold case from Sumter County. That's right, the Sumter um, County Jane Doe's. We should probably do an episode the on the Sumter them at County some point. Does. We should probably do an episode on them. Interesting. Yeah. So so we're we're practicing what we preach. We call in tips. You call in tips. Yeah. That's the deal. Just do your sincere, good faith best to give the police the information they would need to go through these leads. And to make sure whether or not it is or is not uh, a bona fide uh, a bona fide lead. Good. Well, this has been an informative and depressing episode. Yay! That was horrifying. Don't go missing. Try. Don't eat lead. Don't go missing. Don't eat lead. Don't, don't let eat children walk unaccompanied down the highway at four o'clock in the morning with no attempt to call the police. As as an aside, call the cops. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> Just, just do that. So this has been Jessica. And this has been Janelle. And this has been Fat, Fat French, French, and, and fabulous. fabulous. Hey, we did it that time. Yay! <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening and sitting through our bleakest episode to date, probably. So if you made it this far, um, you're probably either a big fan of us or you are an actual monster. Um, either way, we're down. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. We've gotten some really great messages of support from some of you over the last week. It really helps us out and helps us uh, find reasons to keep going with the podcast and in life in general. So if you want to reach out, let us know what your favorite topics are, what your favorite episode was. We always love to hear it. You can find us uh, all over the internet, really. It's the modern era. You can find us on Facebook at Fat French and Fabulous. You can find us on Twitter at Fat French Fab. If you just want to talk to one of us because the other one haunts your nightmares, that's completely understandable. You can find me on Twitter at Very Bad Llama. You can find Jessica on Twitter at I'm Not a Long Fish, although I suspect she might be the one that you see in your dreams at night. If you don't mind, we'd love it if you guys could leave us a review. We got some new reviews this week, and it really helps people find the podcast and helps us feel good about ourselves and all that fun stuff. So if you can, we'd love it if you'd leave a review on our iTunes page or on our Google Play page. Did we get reviews there? I'm not actually sure. I'm going to check that after I record this. 
We also get reviews on our Facebook page. That's as good a place as any to leave them. We like reviews. It lets us know that sometimes other people find us funny and that our moms weren't lying to us when they said that we were good at things. So if you want to leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. So until then, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.